Sent from his throne above He came to change his world through love He came humbly, he came to serve He'll come again to rule his earth Hallelujah, the Lord has come And hallelujah, the Lord has come Hallelujah, the Lord has come Emmanuel, our God is with us You're listening to Thursday Night Live at Calvary Chapel, St. Paul Calvary Chapel, St. Paul is a fellowship of believers committed to a fourfold style of ministry We seek to reach, teach, mend, and send Each Thursday night live service involves a time of intimate worship, an in-depth study of God's Word, and a time of afterglow and leading of the Holy Spirit. And now, here is Thursday Night Live. Hey, uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 24. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. We'll finish it. And then next week, instead of starting the book of Galatians, I'm going to do questions and answers. Questions, uh, you might not like the answers. Uh, That's how I should title it. Questions, you might not like the answers by Pastor Chick. All right, so i got to redo that one. Uh, But uh, you can email into the church email address. If you have not updated your church email uh, and your physical location, I, so I just want—I just don't want a cyberspace. I want to for the church directory because uh, that I like to send cards. Kimberly likes to send cards. I like to pray, but you really know I, I'm going to stop by for cheese and salami. So oh, I'm the inspector. All right. So uh, update that, and then. Uh, but if you're not on, you won't be getting emails. But uh, check out the church calendar. We got things coming up. I just talked to Pastor Steve in uh, Bellevue, Nebraska. So it is, as our calendar says, the. 18th, 19th, 20th of September is going to be our church retreat, a.k.a. their Bible conference, but you know what we do when we go there. So that's uh, just south of Omaha, and then uh, we'll uh, go from there. So, hey, turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, verses uh, 10 through 24 is where we're going to be. But Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, this evening. And that, God, that we can uh, come and study your word and find out how much you love us and you care about us. So we just praise you. We thank you and just ask you, Lord, to be that Lord and lift it up. And Jesus, that we would leave here today more on fire, more convicted, more committed, more submitted, more in love with you than when we came here this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you've already seen online, the title for tonight is Run to the Battle. I I uh, I don't believe in just easing into it. Uh, you really need to go back to those verses that were there, Caleb. Yeah, I'm sorry. All right. All right. All right. So, uh, so, so finally, so you got to read all the verses before that, starting at chapter one, because this is it. This is, this is the letter, you know, your family member sends you. It's six or seven pages. And the very last paragraph is, I need money. All right, that's how it, so I don't know if you have that type of family. I just like, you know what? I'm just going to go to the last page. I need money. And now I can get through the rest of the pages, right? Well, that's our brother, Paul. Finally. He, everything he said 
to get us to here. Last week, if you weren't here, you didn't listen to the message there, that was just the intro for today because I gave us our past and our present, but this is how we're going to handle our future. And nowhere uh, in the Bible does it say, kick back in your Barker lounger, kick back and relax, chill out, you know, wait, you know, snuggle in the struggle. Uh, it's, it's about, it's running, walking, standing, and running to the battle. And, and whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you care about it or not, you are in a spiritual battle. You notice that the day that you truly surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. For some of us, we got born again and we surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ. Some of you, like my wife, gave up that reckless life of milk and cookies and swing sets at the age of eight. And then later in her life, she totally surrendered her life to the Lord. She had salvation, but then she totally surrendered. You, you know what it's like. And the moment that you surrender your life to Jesus Christ as Lord, you're in a battle. Because up until then, uh, whatever fallen angels known as demons and devils were, uh, they're, they're harassing you. Uh, and I would encourage you Christians, if you haven't got, you should get this book, The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. You should really get them. It's not the gospel. It's not verbatim what happens, but it just kind of role plays. A real small paperback. Uh, and it just, and it's, and it's about a, a journeyman senior demon uh, writing to his nephew demon, so Wormwood and Screwtape, on how to, and, he, and he's coming up for uh, how to, he, you know, what happens with this Christian he's supposed to follow. So he's trying to get vice how to really destroy this young man's life, this Christian's life. And so it just gives you insights uh, to that. So that's the Screwtape letters. It's just a Christian classic. So if you haven't read that, then you also know you've got to read Pilgrim's Progress. And then for good bedtime stories, which I read all my kids, is Fox's Book of Martyrs. So I don't know what you read your kids, but mine's are, is the Fox's Book of Martyrs because I told them what the real superheroes are like. And so, so this is about running to the battle. So we know in chapters 1, 2, and 3 are doctrine. Just by way of review, it's doctrine. That's the teaching. That's the setup for chapters 4, 5, and 6, all the way up to verse 10 of chapter 6, of these are the nuts and bolts. This is, this is, next, this is how you do it. Not platitudes, uh, not pithy sayings, uh, but this is how you do it. You, you're, you're, you're called to not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're called to put off the old man and to, uh, and to put on the new man. You're, you're called to be rooted. You're, it's a command. It's not, it's not a suggestion. Be rooted in the love of God. You need to put on the mercies of God. These are the things. By doing these things, so we have our past and our present, which I gave you last week, but this week, this is how we handle our future. And may I motivate you, may I encourage you to just run to the battle. You're in the battle. Run to it. Don't wait for it. Don't, don't do like the old movies or the old things where you line up on lines and you just, just run to it. Just go to it and just, you know, so it, it just die already. Just get it over with or, or do it. Just like they did the, the storming the beaches of Normandy in World War II. It's just we're getting off and we're just, we're, the only way we can survive is we got to get through the fire. And so here, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Not a suggestion. I don't know if you can catch this or not. Not a suggestion. Be strong in the Lord, because if, you're, if you don't, well, then you already have what you have today, right? <laughs> 
if you're not going to be strong in the Lord. This is, a, this is not a Ten Commandments type or one of the 613 commandments and laws that God gave in the Old Testament, but this is a New Testament command. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So chapters 1, 2, and 3 says you have access to all this. This is, this is all the resources you have. In chapters 4, 5, and 6, this is how you actually, you know, do this. I, uh, uh, carpentry skills. Somebody wanted to, uh, again, he had, multi, he had ulterior motives, and I just call him out. And he said he wanted to come and help me at the coffee house. This was back in, uh, I think, 2006, 2009, doing some remodeling, doing some building, doing all kinds of stuff there. And he said, I want to come and help you. And I go, well, I don't need any help. Do you want to serve? He goes, what do you mean? I want to help you. No, if you come and help me, that means I got to come and help you when you ask. I'm not asking you. Do you want to come and just serve the Lord? Do you want to be a servant? Yeah. Okay, what can you do? Well, I want. And then as he gets there, and he cannot do anything carpentry-wise that needs to be done. Uh, all he can do is create more work for someone else to do something. That's about what he could do. And I said, well, okay, why are you here? You have no skill. You, you are a great computer guy. You're a good nerd. Uh, you're good at all this, but you have no skills whatsoever. Why are you here, supposedly? Because I, I just need to know how my day is going to go. And he goes, well, I bought a house, and I'm going to install cabinets, and I wanted to learn how to install cabinets. Coming here today is not going to help you that. Right. Do you know what a biscuit joiner is? Yeah. Do you know what a dovetail is? Do you know what a rabbit punch is? Do you know what an awl is? You don't know how to work any of these tools. That's your problem. You don't know how to work all, you have no skill or experience how to work these tools. You know what a router is? You know, a quarter bit, three quarter bit? You know what it is? Do you know how to... You know what a channel is. You know what a channel cut is. So you don't know any of these things. So therefore, you need to learn how to work the equipment. And then you can get a set of plans, and then you can build whatever. But if you don't know how to you know, work a clamp, what type of glue you use, you don't, you don't know any of those things, you're not going to be able. So that's... Today's not going to help you. you. You need. And so that's what chapters 1, 2, and 3 is. Those are actually the instructions how to build the cabinets. Chapters 4, 5, and 6, that's how to actually work the tools. You, you, need, to be, you need to be rooted in the love of God. If you're rooted in the love of God, you're going to be able to handle the next 14 verses. If you have the graces of God and you are experiencing and you're, you're no longer getting drunk on fermented drink or fermented wine and strong drink and you're now yielding yourself to the Holy Ghost and you're, and you're yielding yourself and you're walking in the power and the might of the Holy Ghost, you're going to be able to handle, you have a future. You understand? You want to build cabinets, but you're not going to be able to build cabinets in the future because you don't know how to operate the machinery, you don't know how to, and that's the, that is the defeating thing. See, listen, I am a very rare Christian, almost like a unicorn nowadays, right? I'm very rare. And the reason why I say I'm very rare is because I got saved in the day when people got discipled, when they discipled people. I just met my best friend, Mike Fernandez and, and Lynn and we meet with, Kimberly and I meet with them. These pastors over on the other side of town. And, and this is one of the guys who discipled me when I, I wanted to become a deacon because I saw Mike become a deacon. So I'm like, I don't know what deacons do. Do deacons deacon? What do I, I just, and so because I didn't know what they were, so I just kind of hung out with Mike. 
And just wherever Mike was, I wanted to be like Mike before there was be like Mike. I wanted to be like Mike. And I just hung out, and I just, and I was like, and I just kept thinking, what am I going to learn? What, what is it to be a deacon? And I just hung out with Mike. And in fact, they, they came up with a name for us. They called us the God Squad or the Gruesome Twosome. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you something, and no one's going to believe it. Only Kimberly believe it, and my brother who's unnamed, who will talk to us after the cameras are off, is unnamed. No one believes this when you need meet Mike Fernandez. In the gruesome twosome, he was the mean one. I was the nice one. After Mike would talk with him, I came and gave comfort. After You don't believe me, do you? You just, you just don't see it, do you? All right. I'm telling you, man, there's only two people in this room and a third are... Our uh, bubble-wrapped brick over there have seen Mike in action. Mike's my secret weapon here in the Midwest because when I got a deal with another pastor or another church, I say, hey, can I bring Mike? And like, sure. I call up Mike and he goes, you're just mean. Uh, and I bring Mike and I don't say anything. And then Mike takes over the meeting and they're like, oh, yeah. I know that he can say, you think I say hard things? Oh, my goodness. I just want to say in comparison, if you're saying, if Chick's the soft one, what would Mike say? Just think. <laughs> if you think I'm weird, what do you think I think weird is? Just do you understand how bad it gets? Everyone says, Kimberly's the weird one for me. I say, she's the weird one for marrying me. She goes, no, I knew, no, I knew what I was getting. You're the weird one, all right? So, so that, so... That's the whole thing when it comes to this. So he's the one who, and about a year later, the pastor comes up to me and says, hey, uh, we and the elders, we want to talk to you about uh, maybe officially recognizing you in front of the body as a, as a deacon. I, I didn't take the test. I didn't, there's no forms and whatever. He goes, well, we're not making you a deacon. You are a deacon. And I, oh, how's that? And I started to ask some other friends around church and people I was ministering with. They go, yeah, you're a deacon. Of course, you look what it says here in the Bible. You're doing those things. All I was doing was hanging out with Mike. And wherever Mike and I went, we were just serving and doing stuff. I'm like, so I kept thinking there was like a, a, a chain or that you needed to do. And, and I just, just, just to serve. And that's what happened. I was like, sure, okay. And so that's what it is. Mike was able to show me the nuts and bolts, so I got to meet with him. I got to call a guy I've known since I was four years old. I, well, it was three brothers. Um, they were two years apart. So the, the, a couple of guys, they were Irish twins, so they were born within less than a year of each other, and then their older brother was a year older than them. And, and so um, I... Uh, I was, able to, I was able to know them, and so this guy, when I was 14, he was 15, and he got saved when I was 15, or when, his, when I was 14, he was 15. I called him the other day, and I just want to say, hey, man, I'm just, I'm pastoring, I'm still serving the Lord today, and, we, you know, we talk a couple times a year, and just, I just want to encourage you that what's happened here at Calvary Chapel St. Paul, it, it, that's part of your fruit. This guy was never called to be a pastor, never called to, you know, do anything. He's just, he's just a, a solid brother in the Lord, going to church, serving the Lord. But yet, when I was 15, he evangelized me. And, and when I would walk home from those parties uh, by myself, wondering if there is a God, I'm in trouble. Because I persecuted him heavily. 
And, and, and I said, you're just, you're just part of the fruit of what's going on here. So I was just tell them what's going on here in church and, and, you know, just thanks for serving. So we just got to fellowshipping and hanging out. And, and so uh, on the phone, I was just talking. He still lives in Southern California. And, and, and these are the things. These are the influences here. All right? And, 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 and take note of this is that I can't tell you five of the greatest sermons I've ever heard. I got three of them. There's one I listened to over and over again. Um, heard back in 1980, in uh, 1984, 1983. And uh, so I listened to that one over and over again. It's just a foundational thing in my life. But I can't tell you five of the greatest sermons, and you probably can't tell me five of the greatest sermons I've ever preached if there ever was one, or maybe one or two that you kind of remember. But if I ask you, tell me five people who've influenced you to walk with Christ, you can go boom, 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 boom. You, you should be able to name out five like that. It's because of having a steady diet of God's word. I'm still here today, but it's around those brothers and sisters. So I'm that rare Christian. I was discipled, and that's what I believe that we need to be doing. That's, that's my whole ministry here is to make disciples, make disciple makers so they can go make other disciples. We need to spend time in one another's lives. I, I'll tell you something I never, ever did because I had no social graces whatsoever. All right, I'm just telling you, I, as I shared last week, I never grew up in a, in a church denomination. Thank you, Jesus. I never grew up in any church capacity whatsoever. I was a part of a cult called the Christian Science Church. You were your own God. I didn't have any of that. And then where I got saved, uh, Christians were just Christians, and, and some were coming out from the underground church, and we're all fellowshipping together. And you just showed up at people's homes. There was no way of calling or whatever. You just showed up and you do that. That's why I need your physical address so I can show up and get cheese and salami. I just want to let you know. And just, just show up because if I'm, if I'm uh, driving around, riding around, doing whatever, and I'm, hey, I'm in the area, hey, I'm just going to stop by and see you. How you doing? Just check in on you. How's it going? If that's, that's how it is. And, and so, so that's just how Christianity is to me. And it's just you're spending time with one another. And you got to be near one another to spend time with one another. I, I can tell you a, a warning about the future, which this is a decision Kimberly and I made early on when it came to electronics and things happened. And I saw it. I was around with the invention of the Game Boy and all the other stuff. You gotta, I grew up with the air hockey, or my friends did, that I stole from them. But um, there's all the things like that. But as I saw technology increasing, I was like, you know, we're never going to get our kids any electronics. Right? We'll just, they have friends. They can go over there and play the Nintendos or even before Nintendos, Atari, Pong, boom, boom. Even, not going to have any of that because I already see that's going to be a distraction. And it is. We can look at social media today. People are not closer together. I would challenge, and this is just from my heart, hopefully to yours, I would challenge you for the next 30 days. Get it out. Don't commit this to superior memory. For the next 30 days, a minimum, I'll just, I'll just say a minimum of once a week, just you and your family, just show up at someone else's house that you know, by the way. <laughs> Let me just qualify that. Okay. Anthony, not someone you live with. That doesn't count. You keep bringing people here. Go talk to, okay, you got that, right? Oh, I'm going to have to buy you food now, aren't I? Uh, royalties. There you go. All right. But just once a week, do it more, but just show up at people's homes. You see, I, I grew up in such, 
in the city, I assume in the rural areas it was this way, but in the city, you didn't have to knock on the door to ask somebody if you could use their hose to get a drink of water. We never got, I, this was never in my vocabulary. Can I get a water? You just, you could just go to anybody's home and turn around. The, that's what neighbors did. When, if you really want to be adventurous, go to a neighbor and ask to borrow an egg or a cup of milk or sugar. That's how I grew up. That's how I still am. Can you go do that? You're like, oh, that was just common. So when it came to being a Christian, you just, I never asked anybody if I can come over and see. I just showed up. Just, it just, just showed up. I did things as I shared with you. I would hide things at people's homes in their, in their, in their couches and stuff and show up around dinner time because, because in the 70s, 80s, people used to have dinner a few times a week. And I would find out who would have that. How would I know that? Because I did the children's ministry and I would ask the kids, hey, do you guys have supper time? And he goes, yeah, we have it all the time. With it. So I knew I just used my former skills to case the place. Kids tell me everything. And I knew. And I would come, hey, how you doing? I said, hey, I left a pair of socks here last time I was here about a month ago. He said, yeah, I, I know where they are. I'm like, what? Yeah. And I would go in and reach in the, deep in the couch and go, here they are. How'd they get there? Well, I put them here about a month ago. Why would you do that? So I could come back around this time when you're having dinner and maybe just stick around for dinner. He goes, does that really work? I'll tell you after dinner. <laughs> and they're like, sure, okay, hey, there you go. Something like that. I used to hang t-shirts up and write on them. I'll be back for this. Have the meal ready. And all those things. And, and the church loved it. I, that doesn't happen now. You call to see if somebody's there because you don't want to waste the gas or the time to go over there. I'm like, if somebody's not there, go and keep going to people's homes till they answer the door. Well, or knock or well, everybody knows when I knock, right? You think you're getting swatted. You're, you think the cops are there. I just, I still knock like that, so. But you ring the doorbell. Who's that? Get the gun. Get the dog. Who is that? It's called company. Just try it. Some of you are like, I've never gone up with that. What is this foreign thing? It used to be common. That's discipleship. That's goes and spending time with one another. If you want to do something, you want to get even more adventurous, do a love ambush. Ambush, they don't know what's going to happen. And you just show up with food and groceries and stuff, and you just show up at people's house and say, I'm here, man. Sorry, I'm late. And most people don't take notes, like you folks who aren't taking notes now. You don't take notes, and then you're like embarrassed. Like, did, did I forget what time? Did I? Sorry, we're late. I've come over with other people. Oh, and you just start talking. Sorry, we're late. Oh, this home so was running late and all this kind of stuff. We're here now. Where do I put the ice cream? Where do I put this? And you're like, oh, I don't. And then, and then you start fights. Like, why didn't you tell me they were coming over? And it's like, I didn't know they were going over. I forgot. Maybe I forgot. And then you're like, maybe I forgot. Hey, we're here now. How's up like that? We've gotten through like an entire meal before. Like, you know, I just, I just don't remember. When did we set this up? Oh, you guys did, and we did. 
What? Yeah, we planned to do this about a week ago. And that's why we knew we were running late because we were going to be here about a half hour early. So we didn't have this? No, you want us to leave with the food because we still got dessert. No, you might as well stay now. And, and then around 10 o'clock, they're doing this. And then we say, um, we're the late night crew. We're just waiting for 10 o'clock. You probably should put some coffee on. What kind of card games do you like to play? What do you like to do? Who are you like, I, uh, okay. Well, we really want to go to bed. Well, we're good. Uh, we'll just lock up when we leave. Uh, really? Yeah, no problem. You guys remember that. All right. You see, these are the nuts and bolts. This is the discipleship. So now, you got all that. You got all that back history. You got all that stuff in your present. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We just didn't do that so we could get something to eat. We often brought the food. We didn't do that just to harass people, although that is a bonus. But what is it like when brothers and sisters get together and then you're ministering to people? We've had people who are in the midst of arguments, yelling at We knocked on one door one time, and they were throwing things at one another. And we knock on the door, and they're like, oh, and I go, I think we showed up in time. <laughs> well, we're not. We're having a really bad time right now. I said, well, if we come in, that's all going to stop right now because you guys are so conscious about yourselves and the appearance of you guys won't fight in front of us. So you might get a break right now. And they're like, please come in. Come in. And then literally, because before microwave popcorn, we would literally make popcorn, and the rest of us would sit on the couch like, well, why don't you guys just go on? That's where the whole popcorn thing came from. Just we'll eat popcorn. This is better than, this is better than anything on TV. Go ahead and fight. Just to, oh, no, you didn't say that. Yeah, I said that. Oh, man. No way. The only thing I regret is that I couldn't afford, well, at that time, the video cameras were like this big. I just think that would be intimidating to show up. Hey, we're here to fellowship, but we want to record this or whatever. <laughs> now I can just hit my phone, put it in my pocket, and I got you. So just be careful of that if you see the phone sticking. I got the large one, so it sticks up above the pocket. And if you see me doing this, I'm just trying to get a better, I'm not, I'm not posing. I'm just, really? Say that again, you know. You see, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And you need that if you're going to go to people's homes, you're going to interject yourselves, and you're going to be involved in their lives. And put on the armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You, you put that on before the battle, not after. You put the, that you put on, and again, not a suggestion. It, it, it's not like the private showing up to his platoon sergeant. I lost my weapon, and we're going to battle. And the platoon sergeant, it doesn't matter, you're a Marine. You're the superior fighting force. And whatever you put in your hands is a force multiplier. And the platoon sergeant just hands him a broom. And then he ties a string on the end of it and says, that's your bayonet. So all I want you to do is get online and go bangity bang bang, slash, 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 bangity bang bang, slash, slash, slash. You're a Marine. This will happen. Private believes everything the sergeant says, so... He goes out there, and he's in the battle, and go, bangity, bang, bang, slash, 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 bangity, bang, bang, slash, slash. And the soldiers, uh, the enemies are just dropping left and right. This is amazing. 
He's leading the charge. He's running to the battle. And there's one soldier from the enemy side just coming to him. Just, and he's like, bang, 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 slash, 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 bang, bang, bang. And that soldier's getting closer and closer. And that soldier from the enemy, the enemy soldier puts him down to the ground and stomps on him. Just stomps on him. And he's crushing. And all he hears from the enemy soldiers, tankity, tank, tank. Tankity, tank, tank. Tankity, tank, tank. All right, so listen. Eight weeks just to tell that joke. This was all a big setup. I knew eight weeks ago I was going to tell this joke. All right. Well, let's just finish up and close and burn. All right, so put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, uh, blood, but against the principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Remember, flashback to the beginning of what I was talking about here. You're in a spiritual battle. It'd be great if it's a physical battle. You can throw things at one another. You can get assault charges put on you. You can get restraining orders. You can get all these things because that's in the physical but that means nothing. The real battle that we're involved in is a spiritual battle for your heart and for your mind because you're not going to throw the pots and pans. You're not going to get upset. You're not going to get physical because it first happens in the heart. If you're taking notes, Jeremiah 17, 9 would be a good one for the hearts are wicked and deceitful and desperately sick and who can know them? It it, it happens in our hearts and goes to our minds, and and then when we act upon it, we bring forth sin, and sin brings forth death. But when your temptation, understand this, temptation is not sin. It's just temptation. But when you make a movement towards it, you're thinking about it, you make motion to it, you now have brought sin. You're missing the mark that God has for you. And so that we are to put on this armor of God. Why? Because you're in a battle. And you're going to fight this battle. And it's going to be the battle of the mind and the heart, man. It's just going to go back and forth. It's a battle. It's a spiritual battle. And that's the greater battle. You want this one, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. For the weapons that we wage warfare with, oh, by the way, we are supposed to wage warfare. The word of God, if you don't know, is a sword. It's an offensive weapon. It's not to... It's not a lifesaver where you're, you know, defending and stuff. It's a sword. And so here, for the weapons that we wage warfare with are not carnal. They're not fleshly, but they're divinely empowered and inspired, inspired that we may be able to demolish arguments and pretensions and imaginations and thoughts that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and that we may bring them captive into captivity, make them obedient uh, to Christ make them obedient to Christ. So take that imagination, take those thoughts and make it obedient to Christ. I almost made it through an entire set of worship tonight before my thoughts started going. And I, just, I gotta bring it back. I gotta bring it back. And just It's a spiritual battle. You know, my, my flesh that's sometimes inspired by the devil and whatever demons are hassling me that day, putting things in my, in my mind and in my path for me to think about, and it's that battle. Then I can say, nope, I've been forgiven of that, or I'm not going to do that, and just and back to praising God. It's a spiritual battle. And, and if you don't realize this, realize this now, that there's things going on in your heart and your mind 
And, and, and you need to be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. And that's why you need that gifting and that empowering of the, of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. And having done all, then do what? Keep standing. It's not over. It's not over until we hear that blessed hope, trumpet, and then we're gone, man. It's not until, but after you've done everything, keep standing. Don't relax. Don't sit back and go, okay, that battle's over. No, there's another one coming. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with the truth. And again, now Paul is going to use a Roman soldier and realize he's chained to a Roman soldier at this point. He's in house arrest. This is his first imprisonment. Pretty cool deal, waiting for Caesar uh, 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 Nero to judge him. But uh, now he's in Rome and he's chained. You know why he's chained to a Roman soldier? So the soldier can't get away. Uh, they might have thought that every this is about a four-hour shift, but you were chained to the Roman soldier there. But that was so the soldier couldn't get away. That's my opinion. And so here, and then we see through the rest of the, we see Romans and we see other epistles that Paul wrote. and says, hey, greet those in Caesar's household, greet the soldiers, greet the centurions, greet all these. So there's others in the palace and the guards that, that got saved. So he says here that, that, again, therefore take up the whole armor of God. Not a suggestion. Take it up. You're in a battle. I mean, you have a choice, take it up or don't take it up, but either way, you're in a battle. And so therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Did anyone have a pretty good day today? I mean, I had a pretty good day today, but it was still full of evil because I'm in it. And I got to stand and having done all, and there's, there's, there's the key. Just before that comma, what does all mean? Have you done all? You see, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has seized you. No temptation has seized you except which is common to all, all men. But in every instance, God will provide a way out that you may be able to stand up under and bear through it. Doesn't say he's going to take it away but just that you will bear through it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. I mean, these are, I'm quoting to you verses that were given to me in the first few months of my walking with the Lord, that they're still in me to this day. And they're foundational. They don't change. So having done all, stand. If I'm flat on my back, defeated, what haven't I done? All that I could do. Listen, I read a lot of military biographies, and, and one in the, in the 50s, there was a, um, uh, an admiral who, was, who interviewed at that time everyone who was going to go on a nuclear carrier, uh, I mean a nuclear submarine. And so in the 1950s, was the first nuclear submarine. And in the 60s, uh, this one uh, lieutenant junior grade officer uh, was being interviewed. And he, had, he went through all his avowals. Everything was good. And he's before the admiral. And he says, you graduated Annapolis. That's the military of all military you know, schools. 
You, you graduated Annapolis. Out of a class of 275, you graduated 175th. So right, right there in the pack. Not the last, but right there in the pack. He goes, yes. And it's a tough school. I mean, graduating 175th out of 250, 275, it's still, even, even if you're the 250th guy or whatever, that's still a major uh, feat there. He goes, he goes, so you did that. He goes, um, could you have done better? And this young officer who was, was trying to be humble, you know, like, oh, I could have done better. And he's like, so he, he tried to give the answer he thought the admiral wanted here. He says, well, yes, sir. Um, graduate 175th. I guess there's other choices I could have made. I, I suppose I could have done better. Here's the answer that rocked him, that totally changed his life in the military from that point on. And the admiral just responded back to them, then why didn't you? He wasn't, no one in the military ever asked that. Then why didn't you do better? And so the same thing. So there's the thing. Having done all, all means to stand, then what? Stand. Stand therefore, and not with just standing like, hey, I made it through, but stand therefore having girded your waist with the truth. What's the truth? Jesus is the truth, and the devil is a liar, right? Yeah. <laughs> Kick that devil to the curb. Hit him in the head with the word. See, that song's still with you, right? Yeah. So, with the truth. The word of God is truth. Wood. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Who's our righteousness? Hmm. Two core Indians. 521. Anyone know what that says? 2 Corinthians 521. Anybody? Anthony, what is it? He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's our breastplate of righteousness. That's our breastplate of righteousness, him. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And so here that, that it tells us here, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, you know we're supposed to go and give peace. People don't want peace. I got a sword, do we not? But that's their thing. And so you prepare the feet and then shod and that, and that you're doing that. And it tells us there, and above all, oh, wait a minute. Paul said in verse 10, finally. But now he's saying in verse 16, above all, do you think this is important? Because he didn't say above all, stand therefore. But verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith which you will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. That shield of faith. It's going to be coming at you, man. And remember what he's doing with the Roman soldier. He's just, you just look at a Roman soldier and understand everything about a Roman soldier, and really they copied the Greeks, by the way, right, my ancestors, and there's nothing protecting the backside. In fact, Spartan, my family hails from the part of Sparta, that they would tell the, the mothers would tell their, their men, their, 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 their young men, they would say, come back on your shield or come back dead, but do not come back with a wound in your back. You do not turn your back to the battle. 
And everything in the Greeks and in the Romans was meant to, to lock shields together. That's how they designed them. You were to lock shields together. And that, and that, that shield of faith, a little smaller one that was wrapped in leather, and it would, they would get the arrows and, and the fiery darts from the enemy, and they, and they would be able to extinguish them. And if you, didn't, if you don't, have never seen what a modern-day tank is based on, you look at the Romans and the Greeks and how they would lock shields, and they could move forward and because and, and, they would lock shields. That's, listen, just a side note, wasn't thinking about this until right now because I'm really focusing on Sundays about the church. How do you lock shields with others if you don't believe you should go to church? How do you lock shields if you're not in fellowship with other believers? How do you, because everything that Paul's talking about here is, again, using that Roman soldier and that you may quench the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation. You got to have salvation. What, what happens if you only have a helmet on? You're a spiritual what? Streaker. You're just out there running naked before the Lord, right? So take on that helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Word of God. Next one. Praying always. Ah, I'll leave that to the other people who pray. Nah, I'll leave that to the prayer intercessors. Ah, I'll leave that to somebody else. Hmm. Well, if you don't believe that you should be in fellowship with other believers and you believe others should pray for you, how are they going to know to pray for you? You. By the way, not a suggestion. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. I'm constantly. Paul will tell us in Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. How does it do that? I'm, I'm always in a conversation with the Lord. I'm always just, I see things. I, I'm praying for things. And, and so praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful of this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. What do you think all means? With all perseverance. So my question is, if you are spiritually dead, you're flat on your back, I can tell just from Ephesians, there's other places I can show you, that you haven't done all to stand. You have failed just like I have failed. I did not stand, I did not persevere, I did not endure, and I did not overcome. I've just, I just quit, I gave up. And so here, with all prayers, tell us there, and to this end, to this end, what is the end goal of whatever desire goal thing that you're trying to accomplish? You see, that's where you start with. This is where you need to be, and then you go work backwards and reverse injure it. Reverse injure and it. How do I get? What's my end goal? What's my end goal? To this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the. If it's not important for me to be in fellowship, to be in church, then I have wasted my entire life. My brother here has wasted years of his life going to another country, giving an unreached people group an actual written language and then putting the Bible in their language and then talking to them and teaching them about church and coming into fellowship. That's really not a hard sell because that's already their community there. He'll share a little bit about that. But if it's not a part, then who am I praying for? If it's not for the supplication for all the saints and for me, 
Then he puts a little request in there. And for me, that the utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Really, Paul? You're praying for more boldness? For whatever's happening in Paul's life, he needed more boldness. I don't know if he was, you know, getting tired of being, you know, uh, they're always rotating the guards on him or, or what was going on, but he's praying for more boldness. So I look at that and I'm like, if Paul needs more boldness, how much more so you? How much more so I? If Paul's asking for more boldness, so I could be bold because God's taking him deeper and deeper and he's, he's getting more sphere of, sphere of influence. And so again, so that I make known the mystery of God's, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He hasn't stood before Nero yet. We know we spent two, two and a half years in Caesarea under Felix and the other governors and Pontius Pilate, and he's finally handed over and he appealed to Caesar. And Felix even said, if, if he wouldn't appeal to Caesar, I, I could have let him go right now. I'd, I don't understand what I... He's all the way to Caesar, and so, listen, I'm here. I get it. Listen, if you haven't gone to our evangelism page on our website, there might be a few cards back there. It's our brother, Andrew. It has spots for six names on it. Andrew brought his brother to Jesus. And so I tell you, write six names on it. You might not have six names, but six people, not around the world, but here locally. And you look at that commitment of the brother, Andrew, and you pray for those people, whether it be full six or he might have two or three. And your prayer is that they would either come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, or if they already know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, that you are endeavoring to get them into church and to get them integrated into the body of Christ and to flourish here and get them discipled. That's, that's that whole thing. Bring them to Jesus and bring them here. One, and I do this every year. And one year, I, I just swung for the fences. That's a baseball term. I just, I wanted to hit one out of the park. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm like a guy, when I, and, and when I first introduced this quite a few years ago, I just, I let everybody know, I'm praying that I will be able to share the gospel with the governor, that was Governor Dayton at the time, with the governor, God give me an opportunity to share with the governor, with our mayor, with our chief of police, because I was chaplain of the police department, with our representatives, I put six names there, that there would be no way that I would have any access to share the gospel with them. But a cop I had been sharing Jesus with, hopefully he gave his life to the Lord on his deathbed because I was right there and I think he responded, but I was, I was right there. And he died in the line of duty and they had his funeral at the St. Paul Cathedral. It was the biggest place we had. And so not only was it filled the whole place up there, but there was thousands of cops from around the nation who were there and lined up... Uh, there on John Ireland Boulevard. And I said, God, just, and I'm like, give me boldness. And, the, and they almost didn't let me speak they, they, because the father was a retired cop. He said, Chick, I, and he was a believer. And he says, I want, you to, I want you to give the gospel there. I'm like, well, it's the Catholic church. They're not gonna, they're gonna have to do a mass, or whatever. So we worked it out before they did their one hour mass that there was this time for us. And then they came up with a new rule. I'm always, people are always inventing rules because of me. Some of you have already experienced that. They said, well, they told the father, says, we're only going to allow you. That. In fact, one of, the, one of the commanders was a believer who, who had gone to Israel with us. And for whatever reason, they couldn't figure out that 
him and I knew each other and he'd been to Israel with us. And they had a meeting of all the commanders and they had an hour and a half long meeting how to neutralize me. How do we neutralize? Because we know what Chick's going to do, man. And this is going to be televised and there's going to be thousands of people there. And we know what he's going to do because he, he can't not do what he does. And he's going to do it. So they came up with a rule. The father, the father, the mom and dad, the retired couple says, you can have six people speak, but they're only allowed 15 minutes each. And he goes, great. So I get six people. Six times 15 is what? I got three different answers here. Hour and a half. So the dad comes to me and says, hey, I reserve six spots. You get 15 minutes each. It's going to be you and somebody else. And then when it happens, I'm just going to say, the other four didn't show up. Give all their time to Chick. <laughs> and I said, if this is the last thing I ever do as the St. Paul Police Department chaplain, I'm doing it now. I said, I, some of you were here there. I said, just pray for me, man. And, and, and I went up. And at that funeral was the governor, was our mayor, was our elected representatives, was the chief, was everybody that was on my list. And I'm going, no way. <laughs> and the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, way. <laughs> so who am I to argue with God's will? And I got to give 5,000 people, and I went through the entire personal witness training, and I gave it. I gave it as if I was never going to be invited back. I gave it as if on the way out the door, they stripped me of my badge, everything, buck naked, running out of there. We never want to see you again. I gave it, man. And I did it. And I looked at the father, and he's like, and I told him conversations I had with this officer. And I asked him, does your relationship with God make you sure that you'll go to heaven when you die? And he said, you know what he said to me? And everyone goes, what? Nothing. He was in a coma. <laughs> and they're just like. <laughs> Chief's just sitting up there and said, however, he came in and out of consciousness. And we had that eye contact. And you know what I said to him then? And everyone's like, oh. I said, everything we talked about in the squad cars all this time, you know you're going to hell. However, God has provided. So let me briefly review for you. And I went over all the bridges. And I believe he gave his life to the Lord. He squeezed my hand, tears coming down his eyes. And I gave the gospel. And I finished up there just saying, hey, everybody here, if you ever, ever want to see this officer again, he's in heaven. If you're upset that he's not here, he's not upset right now. But if you ever want to have the hope of seeing him again, you need to have a relationship with God that makes you sure you'll go to heaven when you die. You can come talk to me later. Please, don't die in the line of duty and see me at the hospital because you know I'll show up. And they're all like, the other speakers get up. They're like, one of them's another cop. And he goes, I hate following Chick. Um, as, we're, as we're passing each other, he goes, I hate you. He's just, he's just, why didn't he go last? And, 
I just give it. And as we finish up and we go through the one-hour mass confusion or mass whatever it is and, and they do other stuff and they're up and they're down and they're up and they're down and they're genuflection and this body's for you and all this kind of and every, And as cop after cop are piling out of the room, I'm at the back fist pumping cop. <laughs> like, yeah! And then there's some cops that are like, oh! And they're like, I said, don't worry, I'll ride with you. <laughs> oh, bad move. Other cops are like, bad move. He's going to be in your squad car next week. Just bad move. You can't kick the chaplain out of the squad car. What are you going to do? Tell the sergeant, I don't want to ride with the chaplain. That's just going to make the sergeant go, you are riding with the chaplain. And I'll do the whole 10-hour shift with them. Oh, my goodness. Because that's just a gift for me. Pray, I might be able to get back into the chaplaincy program. There's enough cops who retired, they don't remember me anymore. That's about it, man. That's about it. So pray. And so here's the thing that just comes down to is that, but you also may know my affairs and how I am doing. That was me calling my bro yesterday. Tychus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will make all things known to you. I just, that was that bro, man, that I got to share with him, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that they may comfort your hearts. I'd like to send other people to him, but I was able to call him up. I love the technology. In verse 23, peace to the brethren and love with faith from God, the Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, now listen. This, this is where I've come up with application in my own life. This is why when someone sneezes, I never say, God bless you, or gesundheit. I just, I'm quiet. Because verse 24, this is where it came up with. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Sincerely, amen. Only grace to all those who what? I don't know if you love God or not, so I'm not going to say, God bless you. I've gotten to, when people have sneezed, hey, you going to hell? I mean, I've done that. Because they expect something to come. They're like, oh, thank you. And like, what? Not listening because they're expecting that response. Grace be with you. Grace be with you. You know, I learned something from another brother here today. And this is, this is, this is, that, this is that fellowship with one another. And, and, I, and I learned this from another brother because he was being persecuted by somebody else. And and, and he, he put a plaque on his desk in the Marine Corps, and it says, I love you. And that just burned everybody. Did you ever meet a guy like that? He put a plaque on there, and he says, I love you. And just Marines like, because this one guy's, I had an officer who, I said, hey, praise the Lord, sir. And he goes, you cannot command me to praise the Lord. I am your superior officer. You cannot give me a command. So, all right. Well, I praise the Lord for you, sir, because Jesus loves you. <sighs> they did things like we were carrying our Bibles around. Like, you can't carry that around. I go, well, this is a weapon. And according to the Marine Corps manual, you're allowed, I don't know about the other branches of the service, but you're allowed to bring a personal weapon with you to war. And they go, yeah, we'll holster it. Sure. So we had these mamasans in our overseas, and we said, hey, can you do this? And I had a big, bigger than the Bible I have, 
Now, and I holster, and we all made these really nice holsters, and we just holstered, and we're all walking around. And like, why are you wearing your gas mask? That's not a gas mask. No, shing. And we made all the sounds like shing, like we're pulling a sword out. And they're like, oh, there's just. How do you know the regulations? Oh, I read them. I know every regulation and exactly what I can and cannot do, and the same for you. It was holstered. You gave me an order, you holstered it. And so there was about, out of, a, out of a battalion of 860 Marines, close to 600 of us gave, us, gave our lives to the Lord, especially the grunts. They love wearing those holsters, man, those Bibles. Like, Give me one of those, man. Those are good. We had the little, little Bibles. We used to call them our throwaways and our backups. We'd put them in our boots there. Some guys had the long, little thin Bibles that we called the stilettos. Here's my knife and stuff like that. Some guys had their K-bars right here, and they had their holster right there for their thin Bibles and whatever. They're like, oh, we loved it. Hey, it's their rules. Just playing by their rules. But either way, we got into a conversation. All this, see, I have a theory that's never been proven wrong. I got saved at the age of 19. I think whatever age you get saved at, you're pretty much terminal. I still think I'm 19, and I'm still doing things. My body tells me otherwise. Kimberly tells me otherwise. Every morning I know I'm 19, but in my heart and mind, what can we do today? How can I cause problems today? I need to be built up in the power and the spirit. I'm running to the battle. Every day I'm running to the battle. And for me, and Kimberly can attest to this, if my hair's not on fire, what's left of it? Uh, it, it? If I'm not running to the battle, I'm bored. If I'm not running, I'm just, I'm running to the battle. In fact, if you, for those of my friends, my friends, they know, hey, they just call me, what battle are you fighting today? Oh, man, I'm slaying dragons today. I'm up to my eyeballs and elbows and alligators, man. Let me tell you what's going on today. I have friends who just call me, like, they just tell me what's going on today. They don't even say with the battle. This is what's going on today. So I'll tell you what's going on today. This is what I'm doing today. I got to, I got to fight a battle today with, well, I already owe him a meal anyway, with Anthony, all right? So this, this is your dessert now, all right? So whatever. So choose wisely, man. You, you don't keep count for him. Who's ever keeping count? I'm not mentioning names, but. He's just, I'm talking about, we're role playing. I said, well, I'm going to be a driver. You're a hitchhiker. I just, you know, picked you up. He's a hitchhiker. I almost had the response of, what's a hitchhiker? Uh, he's just of that generation, but I think he played it off well. And we tried to role play. And it was, we were just driving down the road, and he goes, hey, look at that person. I'd probably pick a hitchhiker. I was already pulling over. And we pull up, and we and come to find out, and we drive him back to the gas station a few miles back, and Anthony goes, if we pull this off, this is epic, because we were practicing PWT. She gets back into the car, and we're driving her back, and she turns out to be a believer. And she's like, I knew it! I said, isn't that application from last week that you can kind of tell the Holy Spirit's in each other? And she's talking about Jesus and being born again. This is great. We had fellowship. That's it. We just dropped out. That's great. And then we just go on. And he's like, so you always pick a picture? Yeah! So Kimberly and I are talking today, and just about, what are we going to do today? And I was just thinking with my kids. My kids are like, this is exciting. Because like when we would, 
when we were traveling like cross country back to California, Arizona, my kids like, who's he going to pick up this time? Because we picked up some people. We pulled up one time, and I think we we're just uh, just in Nebraska. And he goes, "Hey, I just," and the hitchhikers always ask them, "Hey, where are you going?" I go, "California." I I wasn't going that far. <laughs> where are you going? He goes, well, "I could go to New Mexico." Sure. Let's go. And I get over or whatever. And then one of the kids is like, "Oh, it's your turn to get in the back." And especially when we had a truck, and there was just a bed in the back and a shell, but. Who are we going to pick up? Who are we going to talk to? Who's dad going to freak out and talk to him about Jesus? Sit, man. I'm still going to do that. I'm running to the battle. If I'm not running to the battle, man, then, then I'm bored. So don't ever think that we're just going to get together and have a meeting and, and we're going to sit and watch each other go. So these are battle plans. I'll finish up with 2 Timothy. You got him? 2 Timothy chapter 3. 3, verses 2 through 5. For men will be lovers of themselves, lover of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and holy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderous and without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, hedgers, headstone, uh, headstrong, haughty lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, denying the power thereof from such people, turn away. So he tells us again, that wasn't the verses, uh, but they're good anyways. But the one that I wanted was 2 Timothy chapter 2, where in verses uh, 5 and on, where it says that a good soldier does not get involved in the affairs of men. So whoever those verses were for, maybe just Caleb, that's just telling you where he's at. Uh, but that a good soldier does not get involved in the affairs here. They're not to be distracted. That's why we say a distracted soldier is a dead soldier. You just you get rid of whatever you need to get rid of at home. Get rid of it. Deal with it because you're going to battle. You don't need to be thinking about that thing. And it's the same thing when you go to work. You're not to be thinking about that thing. You just you owe 60 minutes for an hour's pay. You, you give that. And so that's that whole thing is that we, we, we are not to be involved in the affairs of this world. But I'm going to do things. Yeah, I'm going to vote. It doesn't mean that you don't vote or whatever. I want to vote certain legislation in so I don't have to fight those battles. I don't want to have to tell librarians and school teachers they shouldn't have that smut in those books in the schools and teaching four and five years old, those things. If I can just get rid of it and I can vote and get good people in and they will get rid of it, that, then that, that's something I don't have to be focused on and protecting the little ones. I want to go fight the battle. I want to go fight the good fight. So I encourage you, put all this armor on. Don't show up and go bangity bang bang, slash, slash, slash. Show up with the real weapons. The weapons that are our warfare, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. Might be good verses to memorize. I always hand them out. The weapons, you're in a battle. Whether you like it or not, you believe it or not. Just think about the hassle it is for you to even to come to this church. And the static and the noise that you get from family and friends around you. Why can't you go to the church down the street? Why can't you do all these things? All this noise. So Lord Jesus, just do the work in each and every one of our lives this evening. God, we thank you. We praise you. Well, I do. And God, that we would just continually cease not in Jesus' name. Amen.